Good to see everyone in God's house this evening, and we're going to start out like we normally do with our prayer requests. Uh, I've got two here that I want you to remember. One is uh, for Dave Cox. Uh, he uh, is a, His wife works at Dixieland with Daryl and several others, but he had a heart attack that caused major issues uh, and has a leaking valve, and they did an emergency open-heart surgery this morning, uh, and he's, uh, he's doing okay, but the situation is still very critical, so uh, please keep him in prayer. That's for Dave Cox. And then let's remember Jessica Blevins. Jessica has some medical tests to go through, uh, and uh, so let's be praying for her for good reports, and that's from Martha Blevins. And uh, we're going to go ahead and open up in a word of prayer uh, and just ask the Lord to bless us this evening, give us a great service. I'm going to ask Gwen, if you would, just stand where you are and open us up in prayer. Amen. All right. I'm going to ask some of our ushers to come. Uh, so if our ushers will come and while they're coming, I'm going to make sure that you got the announcements. All right. Are you ready? You're still listening? Don't be distracted by the ushers. Listen to the announcements. Uh, youth group Tuesday night, 630. Don't forget that. Sundays after church. Go on over. Let's have some fellowship, some ice cream, uh, and uh, just a good time. Any donations you give to that will help with going to High Point in the fall. We're looking forward to that. Don't forget, next week is a special 10 o'clock Sunday school, but the Irwins will be with us in the morning service, and they're always a blessing. Make sure that you get the announcements about the, the bulletin so you can get all of your announcements, and I'm sure it'll be out there on social media, too, if you want to catch up with it. Make sure you've got that as well. All right. Jason, would you ask the blessing on the offering? Dear Lord, we thank you for this evening, Lord, and we thank you for this place that you've given to us and the people that make it up, Lord, but we pray that you'd be among us here tonight, Lord, and we pray that as we uh, take up this offering, Lord, that it would be used to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 363. 
soul. All right, choir, come on up on this last verse. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith and do his blessed will. Oh, all the fire about me, I'm nothing out of fear. With this man of my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory to see his blessed face. You may be seated.
washed off its wounds and then watched it soar into the sky. With his mind full of creation, on this I can depend. I am his child and I can
Somebody as the choir comes down. Amen. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday night? Uh, before we get started here, there's a couple of things I want to mention. Uh, first of all, ladies' retreat is October the 13th and the 14th, going to Fredericksburg, Virginia. Fredericksburg, that is spelled differently than Williamsburg. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, those of you who are interested, please see Lisa Duval and let her know. And then there's a couple of other things I want to mention, too. Uh, so we are uh, headed in. We've only got two weeks until Jubilee, and we need a little help with Jubilee. Number one, we need some help with meals. So if you would see uh, Carrie, and I'm sure Carrie's here. Yes, she's right over here. You would see Carrie if you can help with meals in any way. We'd appreciate that very, very much. An evening meal every evening, 5.30, before the service begins at 7. And we would sure appreciate it so very, very much. You could help us out with meals. And so see, uh, see Carrie, and she'll tell you what we need there. And then uh, we are going to need some help with the nursery. We have, during, uh, during Jubilee, we have more out-of-town guests than any other time. And a lot of our out-of-town guests are not in churches like ours where we are very comfortable with our children being in the services. Uh, but they're not. And when I say they're not, it's not that they're not uh, comfortable to be in a church uh, whose children uh, can be in the service. They're not, they're not comfortable with their children being in the service with them. And so we need to try to provide uh, a nursery during the week for them. And so if you could help us with that, we would appreciate it very, 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 very much. So two areas. We need some help with the meals, and we need some help with the nursery getting ready. We've got two weeks uh, till, uh, till Jubilee, and I am very, very excited for Jubilee this year. I think it's going to be really awesome. So... Uh, I'm looking forward. It's a little different this year. We're combining it uh, with the GPA National Camp Meeting. Uh, and so uh, that's going to be different, but we're also 
going to do a lot of wonderful things uh, for the Jubilee itself, and uh, I just uh, I just don't want you to miss any any part of it. So uh, let's uh, let's be praying about that. Let's be working toward it, uh, and uh, let's try to fill the building every night. And, uh, and just see the Lord work in a very, very special way. All right, if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter number 51. Isaiah chapter number 51. We're going to read the first eight verses of Isaiah 51. We're going to read uh, 51 verses 1 to 8. Uh, but then we're just going to center our attention on the first few verses of the chapter. Uh, of the uh, just we're not going to take a look at all eight but I want to put us in the context I was thinking about it this morning when I was thinking about how important a context is uh, and if you took the verse that brother Michael read at the beginning of the service this morning at the beginning of his sermon if you just took that one verse then it would mean that all the males that were going to be saved would have to be circumcised. Because that's what that verse says, if you took it out of context. And so, so I, I don't know how many times I've heard somebody preaching somewhere uh, and, uh, and thought to myself, you know, if he had just read another verse, <laughs> or if he had just backed up one verse, uh, then his sermon... Uh, would have made a whole lot more sense uh, than what it did, and uh, so we don't want to we don't want to be pulling passage of scriptures, passage of scripture out of context. We want to keep it in the context in which it belongs. So let's begin reading. If you found Isaiah 51, stand with us, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And Isaiah writes, and this is what he says. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock which ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wildernesses like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation, for a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth. Mine arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on mine arm shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look unto the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment. And they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my, but my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revelings, for the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But 
but my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. Dear Lord, we ask you to forgive us where we failed. Lord, you know me. I'm a weak and a feeble servant at best. And Lord, without you, I certainly have nothing to give this waiting congregation. So, dear Lord, I pray that you might anoint me afresh and fill me with your, with your power that we might bring the word of God tonight that we need to hear. And then, dear Lord, we'll be very careful to give you the praise and the honor for all that you do. For surely we are nothing without you. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, by way of introduction, we're, we're going to look at a few of these verses. But in, in these eight verses, I want you to notice this opening part of chapter number 51. I want you to think about the fact that three times God says, hearken to me. In verse number one, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. Then in verse number four, hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me. And then in verse number seven, hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness. So three times the Lord God through Isaiah speaks to the people and says, hearken unto me. The word hearken means to pay attention or to listen or to listen carefully. But as we look at it these three times, we we might even get the idea that in today's language we might say, are you listening? Are you listening? Are Are you paying attention to what God is saying? Are you Are you listening to what's going on? You know, God is speaking. God is speaking today. God is speaking powerfully today. He's speaking powerfully through his word. Amen. He's speaking powerfully through his word. He's also speaking powerfully through his men. There are a lot of great preachers in the world today. And not just in the United States and not just... In the southern parts of the United States, there's some great preachers in the United States. And there's some great preachers preaching some great messages, and they're calling upon us. Now, I, I'm going to say something, okay? Are we, I guess we're live streaming? Okay, so I'll probably get in trouble for this, but sorry. You know, if we get in trouble for this, we just get in trouble. So I was going through YouTube the other day, and I saw a sermon by a priest out in the Midwest. Yes, I'm talking about a priest, a Catholic priest. And so I decided just to click on it. And what he was talking about, the reason I clicked on it is I I thought, I really thought that he was going to be condoning and agreeing with this woke uh, you know, situation that we have in our country today because it, it had the word woke in the title of his sermon. So I clicked, that's the reason I clicked on it, folks. Okay, I wanted to see what he was saying. I thought it might, uh, might be humorous or whatever. So I clicked on it and I am telling you, this priest out of the Midwest was preaching about what's wrong with our country and he talked about how we had better wake up and stop the woke movement in the church, in the church of the living God, or we were going to see ourselves going way too far down the road. I was amazed. I was stunned. Uh, I was shocked, (laughs) if you were. As a matter of fact, I was so shocked that I listened to it again. I really did. 
and he made some really good points about the woke world, the woke uh, societies in which we're living. And so what I'm saying is there are some men who are calling out our nation concerning its wickedness. Amen? Everybody's not, everybody's not silent. Every Christian isn't already gone to heaven. We're not, we're not the only ones left that love God and that follow after his purposes. There are some great people saying some great things. It's not, I, I really believe this, it's not a question as to whether or not we're saying it. I believe we've got people saying it. I believe we've got people that are not listening. We're not listening. That's what, that's what Isaiah was saying. Isaiah saying, hey, I'm, ta- I, I'm talking to you. I'm telling you what the Lord is saying. But you don't seem to be listening to what the Lord is saying. Now, the amazing thing about this, and the amazing thing about that message, by the way, that I read by that priest is it did not end on a negative note. As a matter of fact, it was not filled with doom and gloom. With everything that he presented, he pre- and this was amazing to me. You can get after me later if you want to, but it was amazing to me. But for every, every problem that he gave in our society, he gave a biblical solution. A biblical solution. And it was pretty strange. Pretty straightforward. It was pretty right on. I was, as I say, I was shocked, stunned, and amazed uh, as, I, as I watched that. I, I, I didn't know there were any Catholic priests out there that were preaching like that. Did you? I did not. I certainly did not find it on YouTube. You'll be amazed. Yeah, preaching against the woke society and giving biblical solutions He was not saying it's the end of the world. He wasn't even saying it's the end of our nation or it's the end of our culture. (laughs) One thing he did say is that for the last 20 years, every time it comes up to an election, he has been told that it's the most important election of our lifetime. He said, we've had the most important election of our lifetime coming up for the last 20 years. I thought that was pretty funny, too. I I wrote that down so I wouldn't forget. So what what are we saying? We're saying that we can speak the truth. You You remember what happened to Isaiah way back when we first started? Remember way, way back in the, in the beginning of Isaiah in chapter number 6? Do you remember when Isaiah was specifically called, when he volunteered himself and then God called him to do this work? And do you remember what he said, what God said to him? He said, you're going to go preach, but they're not going to listen. Go back to the 6th chapter after you get home tonight of the book of Isaiah, read the whole chapter, you'll find it there. God said, Isaiah, I'm going to tell you what to say. You're going to go say it. They're not going to hear it. They're not going to listen to it. 
We have to face the fact that sometimes we live in a culture, sometimes we're a part of a society where yes, there are saved people and born again people and yes, there are good things happening and yes, there are people being saved, but there's also a contingent in our country, in our world, in our society uh, that are not going to hear or they're not even going to turn an ear toward anything that God is saying. As a matter of fact, you can tell it to them until you're blue in the face and they'll just turn and walk away. They're, they're not going to hear it. They're not going to hear it. Does that mean God's not going to save people? Oh, absolutely not. God is saving people. God is saving people today. As a matter of fact, what was it, two Sundays ago, we had two people saved here. During Bible school, we had one saved. I, I just looked on several of my friends who are doing meetings uh, all around the country, and, uh, and several of them have had a number of people saved over the last uh, couple of weeks. As a matter of fact, quite a few. And if you look over the next couple of weeks, uh, you'll see that other people are being saved. God's still in the saving business. God's still in the church empowering business. God is still in the moving business. It's just that you've got to hear and listen to what he's saying in order to get in on what God's doing. So that's, that's what we notice here is he tells them three times, are you, are you listening? Are you listening? Hearken unto me. Now notice what he says. He says, hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock which, whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Now, he's, he's saying, ye that follow after righteousness. Now, I'm just going to throw this in. This is my, 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 uh, my number A under point number one. And so I'm not even going to go there. Uh, I'm not nearly as good as Michael is at keeping you up with where my outline is. So I'm not going to try. But I want you to notice something. He is revealing to us who the righteous are. And I, I am convinced here that when he talks about the righteous in this passage of Scripture, look at what he says. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. He's not just talking about saved people. Now, all the people he's talking about are saved. Don't get me wrong. He's not talking about lost people here. Michael got up this morning and did a marvelous job of revealing to us afresh and anew and how wonderful it was to hear it revealed again how that salvation is by grace through faith alone. We, we, we do not earn our salvation. But who he's talking to here is, he's not talking about somebody that has just had a faith experience or maybe somebody that even is genuinely saved, but he's talking about those who are genuinely saved and genuinely following the Lord. Amen? Genuinely following the, following the Lord. Not just the saved, but those who are seeking to live within the law of God. Ye that follow after righteousness. You who are seeking the Lord. And notice what he says, look under the rock. The sons and the daughters, the sons and the daughters of salvation and righteousness, we all have a common source. And it's not just physical birth. We have a source from which we come in this world. And who is it? What is it? He, he describes it quite 
uniquely in this passage of scripture. It took me a little while actually. I had to study this out quite a bit before I really got it. But when I did, it really, it really meant a lot to me. Now notice what he says here. He says, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. What is he saying? He's saying, we ought to know this, right? Uh, stay with me now. We ought to know this. We all live very near Quarryville, do we not? I mean, you, you can't go too far in the state of Pennsylvania without finding a quarry. Is that right? I mean, just about anywhere you go, there's a quarry down this road, quarry over there, quarry back there. Quarries all, I know, I've known lots of people that have, that have worked either for the quarries or sometimes even in the quarries. But it, it's not easy work, but that's, that's the kind of work that I've known some who have done. They say, well, preacher, what are you talking about? That's what he's talking about here. From which rock are you hewn? What quarry did you come out of? You came out of the quarry of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, that's where you came from. That, that, that's, the, that, that's the place from which we come. You see, we, we may not be Jews, but we are, we are as kin to Abraham as you can get because he's the father of the faith. And if you are walking in the faith, then Abraham is your father. Amen? That's what he's saying here. He says, out of this quarry of, uh, of good stone, of good rock, of fine... Now, when, if you were down in Georgia, you, you'd have a totally different kind of stone down there. They have granite down there. They have lots and lots and lots of granite in North Georgia. Now, the problem with that granite is it's as hard as a rock. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's as hard as it can be. I mean, you're not going to drill a hole in that granite without really putting forth an effort, even with the best bit. Why? Because it's granite. It is really solid rock. It's not like slate. It's not like sandstone. It's not like some other types of stone that we have. No, it's not like that at all. It's hard. It's really, really, really hard. And you know what? They ship that granite all over the world. All over the world. Why? Because it's good stone. Let me tell you something. God's people made out of good stone. Amen. They're hewn out of a rock. Now, I know the first thing I thought about when I read this was the Lord Jesus Christ hewn out of the rock. And there is an application there. We'll not get to it tonight. But there is an application there. But I just want you to know that when Isaiah was writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he's pinning these words, he is reminding all of us that we come from a powerful, wonderful, glorious heritage. I'm not just from the Moore family. I'm from the family of God. And I have been changed and I have been redeemed because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been made new. I've been made new again. And because I've been made new again, I can claim to become from the same quarry. Same quarry. 
Peter met Simon that day and he said, Simon, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to call you the rock, the stone. I'm going to call you the stone. I come from the same quarry that Peter comes from. Amen? Petros, Peter, I come from the same quarry. I come from the same quarry that Paul came from. Now, I'm not saying I'm, I can preach like Peter. I'm not saying I, I, I am a missionary like Paul was. I, I'm not saying that, that I've got power with a pen like Isaiah had. No, but I'm from the same family. Part of the same family. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Moses and Aaron. Daniel and Hosea. <laughs> Peter, James, and John. Hey, folks, we're in the same family. We've been hewn out of the same quarry. We're the same kind of stone because we've been born into the family of God. So that's the first thing I want you to notice is that. And then I want you to notice something else. Notice what he says in verse number two. Look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah that bear you for I called him alone and blessed him. And increased him. Notice that. Called him alone. Now there's two things that are in view here when he says, when Isaiah writes that. Are you with me? Y'all staying with me tonight? Is Isaiah good to us? Do we like to pull little nuggets out from Isaiah? Notice this. Two things are in view. First of all, if, if God can create everything out of nothing. If he can create everything out of nothing, then surely he can accomplish his purpose with just one man alone. Think about it. We, isn't that what we believe? God stepped out on nothing and created the heavens and the earth? I, I, I'm not going to take the time tonight. I could, but I'm not. But I have spent several, uh, uh, se- several hours this week uh, lo- looking at the, uh, the science uh, of creation. And when I say the science of creation, I'm not talking about uh, creationism. I'm not talking about the science that's revealed through and, uh, and as a part of Scripture. No, I'm talking about the scientist who do not love God, do not believe in God, do not follow God, and they're trying to explain how everything that's here got here. And I'm telling you, I had the best time. If you want a really good laugh, I mean, if you really want a good laugh, then you just read a scientist trying to explain how, how everything was created out of nothing. I'm, I'm telling you... Uh, The pretzel machine will not tie you up as much as it is their distorted logic in trying to explain to you how we got something out of nothing. (laughs) But I don't have to worry about that. Because I turned over into the book of Genesis chapter number number one and it said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it didn't tell me where God come from and it didn't tell me where God was going. It didn't tell me how long he had existed and it did not tell me how long he was going to last. He's always been here and he always will be. You don't have to worry about who created God because God didn't need a creator because he are one. As a matter of fact, he are the only one. Amen? 
Everybody else can make stuff, but God creates stuff. Oh, yeah, I can make something. Yeah, I, I can take some two-befores and some nails, and, and I, you know, I can make something. I can make a door. I can make a window. I, you know, I, uh, I can make a step. I can, I can do that, but I can't create the two-befores. I can't, you know, I can't grow the, the trees out of the ground. I, I, can't, I can't do that. God can. God, God can do that because he's God. That's the thing. And so that's the first thing I want you to think about. When it, if God can, if he can create everything out of nothing, then surely he can accomplish his purpose with one man alone. <laughs> now, I got to remind you of something here. So Isaiah here is not writing concerning them being taken to captivity to Babylon. Okay, I want you to get that clear. That's not what Isaiah is writing about. It'll, come, it'll be important later. But right now, I want you just to remember it. Remember what we said. He's not writing about the fact that Israel is going to be carried away captive to Babylon. They are going to be, and he has written about it, and it was prophetic. But now he's gone past that. Now he's talking about them when they come home. That should be good stuff, amen? That ought to be joyous stuff. And that's what he's writing about when he's talking about here. So he's telling them that if God could accomplish his purpose with just one man, Abraham, then God can accomplish his purpose in your life too. God can accomplish his purpose in your life, whoever you are whatever your background is, whatever your future you, you think may or may not hold, God is able to accomplish his will in your life just like he did with Abraham. But not only that, the second thing is every individual should be aware. Everybody. Y'all, everybody ought to know this. God calls us to salvation and service. God calls us unto himself, one heart at a time, one heart at a time, one heart at a time. My dad was a great preacher, great, great preacher. I don't say that just because he was my dad, although I know I would be, I know that I would be partial to him, I knew, I know I would be uh, you know, prejudice to his style of preaching. But I will tell you this, I've heard it from so many other people who have told me down through my years, oh, you should, uh, you, you, sh you should remember what your dad was like when he was in his 30s. Oh, you ought to, oh, you, you should have heard, heard him preach at that meeting when he was in his 40s. Oh, what a preacher he was. He's a pretty good preacher when he was 90. Amen. He's still a pretty good preacher when he is 90 years old. But what they were saying is, back in his prime, what a preacher he was. I can't go to heaven because my dad was a great preacher. I didn't get saved because my dad was a wonderful man of God. I didn't get saved because my, my dad won prostitutes and drunkards to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and turned them into deacons and choir singers and piano players in the church. No, no. No, I, I can't go to heaven on, on his account. The only way I can go to heaven is on my account. 
has to be between me and God. He calls us one, one, heart at a time. That's what Isaiah is saying here. But then I want you to notice something else. Now, this is is pretty amazing to me. Look unto Abraham, verse number 2 again. Your father and unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wildernesses like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found there in thanksgiving and the voice of melody. (laughs) So I want you just to think about this in closing. I looked something up the other day and I hope you won't mind me mentioning this, but I, I looked it up Negev is a place in Israel. I looked this place up because it's in the south of Israel, Negev is. It's in the south of Israel. And up until, up until pretty recently, it was known as, uh, the area that I'm talking about was known as the desert of Negev. The desert of Negev. As a matter of fact, up until 1947, there wouldn't anything grow there. Nothing. As a matter of fact, in 1947, when Israel uh, became a state and, uh, and, and, started, uh, and, and started working toward establishing the people in the land, in 1947, only 14% of the land area that was given to Israel could produce anything. Produce any, only 14%. of the land area that was gifted, if you want to use that word, to Israel, to the state of Israel, 86% of it would not grow anything on there, except maybe cactus. Why am I saying this? Well, I'm saying this because I want you to notice something here. Isaiah gives us prophecy in the book of Isaiah chapter number 51 concerning being taken away captive unto Babylon, which happened, which brought them back from captivity back to their land, which happened. He also gave prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus Christ coming not only the first time, but even the first time and his return. He's already come the first time. We're waiting for him to come the second time. And I want you to know something. He gave us prophecy here in Isaiah chapter 51 that's happening right now today. Because Negev is no longer considered desert. As a matter of fact, because of they call it the Society of Ben-Gurion, and if you don't know who he is, then please look him up. But if they call it the Society of Ben-Gurion, and what they do is they work to promote ways of irrigation and transforming the land. And if you go to Negev today, you will actually see vegetables and fruits and vines and trees all growing through there. Because God said he would make blooms in the desert. And he did. He did. So you don't have to wait to see God have his prophecy fulfilled. You don't have to look back 
2,000 years to see God fulfilling prophecy. You can, you can look right now. You can pull it up online right now and look at what they're doing right now and you can see the blooms in the desert. Amen? Amen? Yeah. That's, that's what's so amazing about this. Let me, let me read that again. Verse number three. The Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wildernesses like Eden. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Let me tell you something. God means what he says. You know what? When God said he loved you, he meant it. When God said he wanted to forgive you, he meant it. And when God said that he would forgive all that come unto him, he meant it. Let me tell you something. If he can take the desert of Negev, one of the driest, most arid places on the planet, he can fill it like the garden of the Lord. <laughs> and don't you think he can make his grace grow in your heart? Don't you think he can make his love spring forth in your life? Don't you think he can bring cleansing and forgiveness to you. I'm telling you, our God can do it. He. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to bring the message tonight. Lord, I, I just want to thank you for the book of Isaiah. Lord, I love all the book. I love all the Bible, every, every bit of it. But Lord, the one that I'm studying right now, the part that I'm in right this moment, Lord, it just seems to me that the nexter is sweeter than it's ever been. And the power of that word is greater than I've ever known. I know we live in a difficult world. I know we live in a sin-cursed world. I know we live in a society that's gone absolutely crazy. But Lord, as I looked out over our congregation this morning, saw everyone gathering in in the house of God to worship on another Lord's Day. Lord, I just had to believe that God's still really, really good. He's still really, really good. He's good to those that love Him. He's good to those that walk with Him and walk in His law and, and follow after His righteousness. He's good to those that trust Him. He's good to the redeemed. Oh, Lord, we thank you for being so good to us, better than we could ever deserve. And we thank you that the Word of God is as settled and true as eternity itself. Thank you that we can draw from the pages of your Word. Lord, that we can be enlightened to walk even closer with you. Speak to us now, we pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand together. What should we sing? When I see the sunrise in the morning, when I
place 